God here. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4, a familiar passage of Scripture. While you're you're turning there, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray, Father, even now that you give us ears to hear a heart to receive, and a will to do that which you will speak to us this day. I pray, Father, that you speak through these lips of clay. Give me what to say, that your people might be healed, delivered, and set free. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and we thank you, O God. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Let me get some help here. I need some help. Philippians 4, verse 4. All right. Now I can see what I'm supposed to be reading. (laughs) It reads as follows. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let's look one more time at that fifth verse. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. For topic this morning and subject and title, I'm going to talk about the attitude of a survivor. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the attitude, the attitude. of a survivor. Oh, come on now. Y'all say it with an attitude this time, a little attitude. The attitude attitude. of a survivor. In the past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of attention given to the devastating storms that have brought catastrophe and destruction to our land. The gale force winds have blown and uprooted everything in their path. Waters have had no boundaries and have consumed cars, homes, and neighborhoods. Those that once lived in these cities, drove those cars, and slept in those homes, wonder if their lives will ever be the same. We have all watched with compassionate hearts and, and given help to our brothers and sisters in these devastating areas to help them recover. But after all is given, waters recede. What makes the difference in those that have survived? What gets them back on their feet and into a new sense of normalcy? I believe it is our God that is still in control and the attitude of that survivor. It is often said that attitude determines altitude. Given the same set of circumstances and conditions, which one will survive and which one will roll over literally and die? The one who has an attitude that will trust in God with all their heart and lean not to their own understanding by first acknowledging God, having a compassionate heart towards others, and thanking God will move on to fulfill God's purpose for their life as a victorious survivor. Attitude. Let's look at this word attitude. 
Attitude is simply this. It's a settled way of thinking, feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. So let's look at this. It's settled. That means it's been determined. How you think, how you feel, becomes a behavior that you put literally into action. So what we're going to be talking about this morning is simply this. How you act, how you acknowledge, have a compassionate heart, and be thankful. Let's look at acknowledgement first. Acknowledging what you have been through and how it has made you feel is one of the first steps to recovery. You were hurt because he left you. You acknowledge it. You are disappointed when you're passed over for a promotion. You acknowledge it. A parent should never, ever have to bury a child. You acknowledge the hurt that you feel. But the mistake is made when we deny the fact that circumstances in life hurt you. They injured you and left you hurting and crying in the middle of the night like you never imagined. I'll never forget my freshman year in high school. I was, I was deciding that I was going to play football. Now, I went out to play football, but I went out without my mother's blessing. Did not really get her encouragement, support in any way, shape, or form. But I had a daddy who said, get on out there, boy, and represent. So I was out there. And the coach called my name, McAllister, get out there. So I was supposed to tackle the guy and keep him from, from scoring. I got out there on the goal line, and sure enough, the guy came my way. And I, if I say so myself, Pastor Charles, I snatched him with one hand, pulled him down, had an excellent one-hand tackle. But when he fell, he fell on my wrist and my hand. And the pain that I felt, I tried to hide it because folks were cheering and celebrating, and so I just popped up limped over as best I could to the sidelines. The game was over shortly later, and I had to go home. And when I had to go home, Sister Teresa, I had to face Mama. And I walked in, and I was trying to, to hold my hand in such a way that she couldn't see, but Mama greeted me at the door, and she said, you left here this morning. You didn't cut that grass, and you didn't do those dishes. I hope you had a good time at that little football game, but you're going to do that grass and you're going to take care of them dishes. I was a one-armed, lawnmower-pushing fella. So I was going across that lawn. I got into that kitchen. I was soaking one arm and scrubbing dishes with the other. I don't know who had to eat, after those di eat on those dishes later, but <laughs> I was doing the best I could. But shortly, my father came home. And the pain was still there and it was throbbing. And I went to Daddy and I said, Daddy, I said, I think I broke my arm. And he looked at it and he said it started swelling. He said, get in the car, I'm going to take you to the doctor. And sure enough, I went to the doctor. The doctor took his x-ray and he says, yes, young man, you did break your arm. He said, I'm going to wrap it up for you. I said, hold on. Before you wrap it up, can't you just put a cast on it? Can't you just, like, spray something and, and I, can I... 
can I play next? He said, no, no, son. He said, this is a serious injury. You're going to have a cast. He said, if you don't let me take care of this now, this will affect you or could affect you for the rest of your life. Can you just think about this with me for a moment? How many of us have gone through life and not acknowledged that we have been hurt? And then when we found ourselves hurt, we wanted to get in a state of denial, and yet and still, we find ourselves now in dysfunction because we never allowed that hurt to heal. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is here, here to heal broken hearts. God is a God that can restore. God is a God that all we have to do is call on him, but first, we just have to acknowledge it. When we acknowledge it, that's when healing takes place. Now, the challenge is some folks, they acknowledge it. When they acknowledge it, they get stuck there. They want everybody to know how bad they were hurt. And it's something that may have happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, but they still stuck there. They're stuck there because they like the attention. They like the extra words that they get and the pats on, oh, baby, that happened? Yeah, it happened. How long? 20 years ago. What? <laughs> now, now, I believe that God is a healer. What God heals from, he can heal from now. All you have to do is acknowledge it, and he will bring healing. Now, I'm going to step away from the notes because I want to be real here for a moment and transparent. I found myself in a real bad place in my mind because I had acknowledged the fact that, yeah, I was, I was hurting, but I was hurting on what had taken place in the past. When we were getting ready to return here to West Angeles and to Los Angeles area, I was very hesitant. I was hesitant by the fact because I was saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm going back to. I got a record. I'm going back with a record. I'm going back with a sense of failure. I'm going back with a past. The enemy tried to cause me to just shut down, not allow God to work in my life and to bless in that capacity. But when I tell you, West Angeles, the love that my wife and my family came back to here at this church has been unparalleled. And God spoke this word as clearly as I'm speaking to you. He said, stop worrying about your record here on earth. I have a record that I have taken and I have made in heaven in heavenly places that no one else can change or even come close to changing. I'm here, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm here to encourage someone this morning that feels like you're stuck. You've acknowledged that it's been a rough way to go. You acknowledge that you've had some shortcomings. You've acknowledged that you've had some failures and you're stuck. God is saying, forget about what's going on here. Focus on what I'm doing up there. Focus on that your name has been written in the Lamb's 
book of life. That which I have prepared for you, no man, no situation, nothing can take it away from you. If you believe God, give him a shout. Hallelujah. So because I believe that and I acknowledge that, it changed my way of thinking. A storm will change your perspective. Oh, hear me. It will change your perspective in big ways. I became a much more compassionate person because I recognized that the compassion that was expressed towards me when you've experienced grace, which we all have, think about it, you've experienced grace, you should be much more gracious. I'm a recipient of the grace of God. You are a recipient of the grace of God. So it fills your heart with compassion. What are compassionate people? Compassionate people have unique characteristics. They stop when others walk by. They give when others will take. They listen when others don't even want to hear it. That is what compassionate people do. A survivor is compassionate because they have not forgotten how it felt, what the feeling was like when they laid in the hospital and someone came by and said, hey, I just stopped by to pray for you. A compassionate person is that one that gets the phone call from someone else and says, you know, I know you just lost a loved one. I know it's been two months, but I'm still praying for you. That's what compassionate people do. They don't forget how it feels because they can really understand you and where you are at, that, at this particular time in your life. Compassion. For the past two weeks, we have seen some folks working here at the church, volunteering their time in unbelievable ways. And as I sat and I talked with many of them, they expressed that they had also gone through challenges in life. They had also gone through storms. And so I recognized that this attitude of gratitude and this attitude of compassion is contagious. It's contagious. If you hang out with people that are always going to be complaining and having sad stories, you will have the same old sad story. But if you hang out with thankful people, you hang out with grateful people, you hang out with folks that are celebrating, you hang out with folks that are recognizing that God is good, God is faithful, you start to celebrate the faithfulness of God yourself. Can I tell you what gets me up in the morning? Lamentations 3 and 21. It causes me to recognize how good and how faithful God is. It simply says this. This I will recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, his mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions, they what? Fail not. They are new every morning. Great, I said great, great is his faithfulness. We serve a faithful God. When I go to bed at night and I wake up in the morning, I got a new set of mercies. I have a new set of grace. 
everything I have need of. He's providing for me. There is never any limitations. Sometimes folks run out of money. Sometimes folks run out of patience. Sometimes folks run out of kindness. But God never runs out of his mercy. He never runs out of his graciousness. He never runs out of everything we need to get through the day. His protection. His hedge of protection is round about us. I don't know about you, but we take off and land on a lot of planes. And I recognize that it's by God's grace and it's by his mercy. Each and every mile that we drive over the dangerous streets and highways, I recognize it's his grace and his mercy. The plots, the schemes that the enemy would try to use to take us out. This is grace and his mercy that protects us. If you believe God for it and thankful for his grace and his mercy, give him glory in this place. Hallelujah. God, we're thankful. We're thankful for your grace. Because God is compassionate to each and every one of us. We have something to be thankful for. For I used to think that when you said thank you, it was a one-time act. But it's not a one-time act. Being thankful is a continuous process. Over and over again. Why? Because God keeps on blessing us over and over again. I love uh, one of the bishops in the church, Bishop Hankers. He said, every time I turn around, God keeps doing something great for me. Every time you wake up in the morning, God is doing something great for each and every one of you. So we have something to be thankful for. When I look at our text, our text says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. When I started looking at this, I said, well, Paul, how can you tell us to rejoice in the Lord always? And then I started talking to someone that's a little bit smarter than me, my wife. And <laughs> And as we were talking, she was just explaining some things that she had interpreted and was exposed to when she was over in Israel and how the translations from the Greek and from the Hebrew. And she said, this word always. I know it sounds good when we say always, and that's not a bad thing to all the time to do it. But it also has a deeper meaning that it goes from every road, every path, everything you do and every direction you go in always. All the way, every way that you take, we should be rejoicing. I believe that we as believers have something to rejoice about because literally when we think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us, our soul should literally cry out, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Literally from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, we have a thanks we have a praise that must be on our lips. When we have a praise and a thanks on our lips, it confuses literally the enemy. He has no idea what to do. He has no idea how to respond. I was watching yesterday, I was watching the football game, and one of the commentators said, you see how noisy it is in here? This is part of this home team strategy. When the other team is on the field, they start making it real, real noisy. They're not cheering for the other team, but they recognize as they make this noise, it confuses them. They can't communicate with each other. I just believe that we as believers, when we give up a praise, when we give up a shout, when we give God glory, when we give him thanks, when we give him praise, it confuses the enemy. He can't communicate against our praise. He can't come close to stopping us when we give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Lord, we bless you in this place. We thank God in this place. Now I want to close with this last little point here. This last little point it stood out to me, and it's really in our, in our fifth verse here that we're talking about when it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, but it comes down to this. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, when we start talking about attitude, can we just tell the truth as good Christian folks? Sometimes we don't feel like being gentle. Sometimes it's real tough to be gentle. I was standing outside the hotel, and we were getting ready to leave, and, and I was waiting for the car to come up. And, and Brother Rob, this man came flying in, and he, he stopped short and got out and swung around his car. And it was a nice car and everything. He walked straight to me and goes, here's a $50 bill. Keep it up top. <laughs> uh, now, nah, I'm telling you, I was real tempted. I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled, but I was real tempted. Now, 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 he gave me the $50 bill, and he was holding out there, and I didn't, I didn't take it. I, I just looked at him. I was like, for, for real? Okay. I said, excuse me, sir. I don't work here. Oh, well, excuse me. I'm sorry about that. There, I got here. So another valet came up. He gave him the money. And I just, I was like, Lord, can I get him, please? Just, ooh, just let me get him, Lord. I want to get him. I just want to tell him a thing. Lord wouldn't let me. So I was standing there, and literally less than 30 seconds later, here comes one of the members of the church with this same gentleman. He says, oh, here, yeah, let me introduce you to Elder McAllister. He's one of the elders at West Angeles Church. And I turn, <laughs> and the guy looks at me, and he says, well, yes, we've met before. I should have known he was a minister of some kind, real nice guy there. Now, could you imagine if I'd have let him have it <laughs> the way I wanted to let him have it? <laughs> could you imagine what kind of testimony I would have had coming from West Angeles Church? <laughs> it would not have been a real good testimony. But I'm here to tell you that the gentleness that we express, even in the midst of our storm, is a true testimony that we as believers know how to act. We know how to be represent, representatives of our great and mighty God. I just want to encourage somebody this morning, folks that have been going through the storm, folks that have felt like giving up. When I found myself at the worst point in my life, I was laying out on a cold prison cell. I was laid out on the cold cement floor. And as I was laid out on this floor, I was trying to ask God, why, why, God, is this happening to me? And when I asked God this simple question, I, my soul and my mind went back to this one individual, and that was Brother Joseph. Brother Joseph started speaking to me, and the words that he spoke to me were clear and punctual. He says, you know, I know how you feel, Brother Darren. I know because my brothers, they sold me into slavery. The ones that I loved the most were the ones that betrayed me. I just believe that there's a few folks in here this morning that have been down that road where folks have betrayed you, the ones that you trusted the most. He went on to say, but God, was still with me, even in that prison. And he went on to tell me he will be with you in your prison. I came by to tell some folks, you may not have ever been in a prison, 
but you're still walking around in defeat. You're still walking around in bondage. But I'm here to proclaim that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I believe God will liberate us when we put our focus on him. But then he went on to say, he said, then I had this opportunity and I started understanding that, the, that what I was going through was going to be for such a time as this. He said, even though it was painful, I realized my purpose was greater than my pain. I came by to tell somebody, be encouraged because your purpose is greater than your pain. Then brother Joseph, he said, I stood before my own brothers. These were the ones that betrayed me. These were the ones that threw me into the pit. And I found myself having to have compassion on them because they were hungry. I'm just here to tell you, God will send you to folks that are hungry. But if you have the right, right attitude, when you see these folks, you'll have the same compassion that Joseph had. You'll open up your bowels of compassion just as Christ Jesus has opened up his bowels of compassion and express grace to your brother, express grace to your sister. Each one of us have been blessed. I said, you've been blessed. I said, you've been blessed to be a blessing. If you know you've been blessed to be a blessing, Lift those hands and tell God, thank you. Thank you for each and every blessing that you pour out on me. Why? Because your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I begin to think about Brother David. And he said, all the days of my life, I believe goodness and mercy will be following me. I came by to tell somebody that when you look behind you, and it seems like all hell is breaking loose and the winds of life are blowing. You're gonna look back and you're gonna see goodness. You're gonna see mercy. And they're gonna not only be following you, but they're gonna be pushing you along the way. They're gonna be pushing you into your destiny. Is there anybody that wants to go into their destiny? Lift your hands and tell God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. I'm done. What a mighty God we serve. We thank God for his goodness. We thank God for his grace. The wonderful thing that we have is knowing that when we're in the storm, as believers, Jesus is in the storm with us. That is the hope that we have. That is the confidence that we have. That he is in the boat with us. And he's able to speak peace to your storm. He's able to speak peace to your situation. The word of God says that he'll give a peace that passes all understanding. You won't be able to explain it. You may not even be able to make sense of it. But he gives the peace. Everyone standing.